Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. Thank you, Elise, for that time of worship song. Uh, so I sat there and listened to that solo, and in that one of those verses it says, Be with me. And if you take anything away from today, know that the Lord is with us. Amen? The Lord is with us. If you're watching today, I want you to know the, the Lord is with you. This is what Christmas is about, and it brings clarity to our Christmas to understand that God came to be with us. He is the same God He has always been. And even in the crazy times we find ourselves in, uh, he is with us. So I hope that encourages you today. Thank you once again, Elise. I want to invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5 is where we're going to land today. As we wrap up our sermon series, Multifaceted Christmas, uh, we've looked at prophecy. We've looked at the miracle of Christmas, also key doctrine of Christmas last week if you were here with us or listening to us. And this week we are going to wrap up to look at the redemptive facet of Christmas and what that means for each and every one of us in our daily lives. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Uh, you remember going to movie theaters? Remember those things, right? Now hopefully we get back to a movie theater. I think it's been uh, about a year since I've been in a movie theater. Uh, hopefully that they don't go away forever, but... Uh, I know growing up, I used to get really frustrated going to a movie theater because that was way back when, when there was no stadium seating. Y'all remember that? No stadium seating in the movie theater. Uh, the, the movie theater I grew up going to had four screens, Cinema 4. You know, they, they got creative with the name there in Brookhaven. Cinema 4. And so we went, and they, they were more like these big rocking chairs. And so it was just kind of like engulfed me when I would sit in them and I'd be rocking back and forth. My dad would take me to see Star Wars or whatever the movie I wanted to see. And I was psyched to see that movie. I wanted to see the Ewoks run around. Y'all remember the Ewoks, right? See, see them run around and see what happened, you know. And then every, it seemed like every time some tall gentleman with a big head would just sit in front of me. And I couldn't see. I've been waiting for this. So I'm like leaning over, trying to sit on, you know, my dad, you know, the movie theater was packed, you know, and so we couldn't really move elsewhere. And so what happened is, is that I wanted to see this movie and my line of sight was distorted because a taller person sat in front of me. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you've been there at some point in your time, if you can remember going to movie theaters. But it distorted my line of view. And when we come to Romans chapter 5 and we think about the redemptive facet of Christmas as we seek to have clarity with our Christmas this year, we understand that our view, our spiritual sight has been distorted. Our spiritual sight has been distorted by sin. And what Paul does here is Paul shows the audience in the book of Romans this spiritual distortion. 
that original sin all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 in the grand story of Scripture, the fall of man, the original sin, it distorts our spiritual sight. And we lack spiritual clarity because sin is condemning. It's like being led around in the world while you're blindfolded. You can't really see anything, spiritually speaking. But thankfully, Christ was born. Thankfully, as we celebrate Christmas and understand that God came to be with us, that Christmas is a key chapter in redemption story. And the biblical truth here is important because without the birth of Christ, one can't be born again. And so this leads us to our big idea together today. And the big idea for today is Christ's birth births redemption. Christ's birth births redemption. If you're here this morning or if you're watching, will you say that with me? Christ's birth births redemption. And that's what we're going to see in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Let's read this passage together this morning, all the way to verse 21. Paul writes this, If by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 18. So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we come to Christmas, and we want to have that clarity for Christmas. Today we want to look at the redemptive, redemptive facet of Christmas. And in verse 17, Paul shows us about this spiritual distortion. The spiritual distortion that we all have, it doesn't matter where we come from, it doesn't matter where we've been raised, it doesn't matter what family group we grew up in, it doesn't matter anything in our history, in our past. The one thing that we know from the truth of God's word is that we have spiritual distortion because of sin in our life. I remember being at a conference one time and Pastor Johnny Hunt was there leading the conference, one of his Timothy Barnabas conferences, and he was t speaking to all his preacher boys, you know, and he made a real... Uh, Really important statement that stuck with me in, in regards to character and integrity and, and living, uh, living a life that honored God. He said, you're one step from stupid. You're one step from stupid. And spiritual distortion, spiritual distortion can make you take that step that would lead to something stupid in your life. And that's why we need a Savior. And that's why Christmas is so important. That Christ has come. You see, one trespass. That's what Paul writes here in verse 17. He says, one man's trespass. It shifted everything. It changed everything. One man's trespass. The word trespass in the original language of the New Testament, it's, it's translated sin, but this is the sense of the word. The sense of the word is the action of going beyond or overstepping some moral boundary or limit. And so really as Paul addresses this, he speaks of this macro view, this big picture view of the trespass. 
that Adam sinned all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. We call that the fall of man. And that original sin took place and it moved and affected everything and it affects all of us because we inherit that original sin and that brings about spiritual distortion. We don't see things clearly. We don't see things in their right way. We're one step from stupid because stupid happens because we're not watching and we're not able to see where we're going because of the this, this, this spiritual distortion. So where does that place us? That places us with a great need of being redeemed. That places us in the arena of needing a hero, of needing a redeemer. And if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, we talked about the prophecy that spoke about the redeemer, whose name is Jesus, the miracle of the birth of Jesus, along with key doctrinal components of Christmas. Now we land knowing that we are in need of a redeemer because of one man's trespass, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. But there's a more micro view as well. When it comes to spiritual distortion and not being able to see clearly spiritually, there's a micro view. Not only is there a big picture view, there's a more micro view, and that's a personal view when it comes to sin. Now the culture you and I live in, the environment we inhabit, it tells us, it speaks to us that we're all good people. That deep down we're all good people. That if we just do good things, that that will lead to us being redeemed one day if the good outweighs the bad. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The culture that you and I inhabit will tell us that you, you do you. Even if that means you're living a life that is characterized by sin against God. Because, you know, we're, just, we, we're going to love and, and love is what ultimately matters. So you do you even though it goes against the holy God. But that's not what Paul writes here. Paul writes about a redemptive nature, a redemptive nature for sinners, and we are all sinners. Paul writes elsewhere in the book of Romans that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, we owe all sin. We all have this spiritual distortion, and therefore we are in need of a redeeming Savior whose name is Jesus. And that's why Christmas is so important. Because in the story of redemption, the incarnation, Jesus coming into our mess, he didn't run from the mess, he came to the mess to save you and I from the mess. and To take us out of that spiritual distortion and to give us hope and to give us life. When we think about that, that, that micro view, that personal view when it comes to the spiritual distortion of sin, there's three lies I've told you about when it comes to sin. I haven't been lying to you. Let me clarify there. But there's three lies in regards to sin that I've told you before, and I want to revisit those today. Because these are the lies that come from sin, okay? The first lie is this. No one will ever find out. When you're engaging in sin, the evil one wants to lie to you and to speak lies into your heart and into your life. And one of those lies will be, no one will ever find out. I'm going to engage in this sin. I'm going to, I'm going to engage in, in, in what, what makes me happy. I'm going, to, I'm going to fall into this temptation. But you know what? I can do it because no one's ever going to find out. And that's a lie from the evil one. The evil one wants you to engage in that because he knows that it will keep the spiritual distor- distortion in your life. It will keep you away from God. You won't be taking steps to honor God. You will be taking steps away from God. 
one will ever find out. The second lie is this. Three lies of sin. The second lie, I can stop at any time. I can stop at any time. No one's ever going to find out. And you know what? If I really need to, before anybody does find out, I can stop at any time. I just put on the brakes. I just put on the brakes and it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll all work out. It'll all be smooth. No one will ever find out. And I can stop at any time. But we know it plays out differently, don't we? We know it plays out differently in life. Because ultimately someone will find out. But Satan wants you and I to believe that no one will ever find out. That he wants to keep us on that path of spiritual distortion. He wants to keep us away from a redeemer whose name is Jesus. He wants, us to, he wants to bring us down. And he's your biggest cheerleader on the front end. Oh, no one's going to find out. And then he's the largest accuser on the back end. You know you should have never done that. The third lie from sin. Three lies of sin. The first one, no one ever find out. I can stop at any time. The final one, it only affects me. It only affects me. You, you have no right to share with me about what's going on in my life because it only affects me. Three lies of sin. Satan wants you to buy into those lies. And he wants those lies to permeate the culture because it brings you not to a redeemer but away from a redeemer. And it keeps you in that spiritual distortion where you can't see clearly, spiritually speaking. But Jesus came to be with us. Jesus came to save us from the mess. He came to clear everything up, to give us clarity in our Christmas, to show that he is the redeemer that was foretold of, the redeemer that saves, and the redeemer where true freedom and hope and life reside. And he overcomes those three lies of sin because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Paul writes in this, this verse 17 about how death is reigning. Death reigned through what Adam did. The spiritual distortion comes to that original sin, and we see that it's linked to Adam because it's the trespass, and then it's the trespass through one man. So we know that Paul is specifically talking about Adam in this passage, and he's doing a compare and contrast here as he discusses the spiritual distortion. He's pointing out that with Adam, sin and death reign. But in Christ, there is hope and life eternal. And so as Paul writes here, he drives in the point and highlights the point of original sin. But also in this passage, as we read it together, the apostle highlights the key of hope. And that's what we see in verses 18 and 19. So we've seen spiritual distortion. Now we come to spiritual hope. And let's revisit verses 18 and 19. So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification leading to life for everyone. There is hope because Christ came. There is hope because Emmanuel arrived. Emmanuel meaning God is with us. The, name, the very name of Christ speaks to him being Savior. The name of Christ speaks to the incarnation of God being with us. And we're in desperate need of that. Because outside of that, we have spiritual distortion. We don't see clearly. We don't act clearly. We don't think clearly. But it is with the hope of Christ that all that begins to shift. 
and all that begins to change. Paul presents this compare and contrast, and we see this throughout Scripture in other places. If you read the Gospel of John, you'll notice the light versus darkness theme throughout the Gospel of John. So within Scripture, within the writing of Scripture, we see compare and contrast take place. And so what Paul does here is he uses condemnation versus justification. Condemnation versus justification. If there is spiritual distortion without a Savior, then you are in the place, you are in the arena of condemnation. If there is light and there is life by faith in the Savior, then you are in the hope of justification. And so Paul speaks to this and he points out that condemnation is the cost of our sin. Romans 6, 23, Paul writes there, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you work throughout the week and it comes to Friday, Friday is known as what, kind of, what day? It's known as payday, right? Whatever job you're working, you have a wage that you're earning. You have a wage that you're making, right? Whether that's hourly or, or whether that's a salary-based kind of gig, Friday comes, it's payday. You get what you earn, right? You get what you have worked for. Paul says that what we earn, that the wages of our sin is death. It's condemnation. It's separation from God for all of eternity. The Bible calls that place of condemnation hell. But Christmas tells us that there is a redeemer. And Christmas tells us that by faith in him, we don't have to be condemned. We don't have to live in the arena of condemnation. That in our spiritual distortion, that by the grace of God, the gift of God, as he describes it, the wages of sin is this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. That there is hope. That there is spiritual hope. We are lost and condemned without the hope of Christmas. But redemption brings clarity to our Christmas. Redemption in Christ brings clarity to our Christmas. This facet of Christmas, known as redemption, it gives us a better picture of what Christmas is all about. And as believers, we hold on to the spiritual hope of knowing Christ as Redeemer. The redemptive nature of Christmas provides us with justification. So we said in one arena, it's, it's condemnation. In the other arena, it's justification. Now, what do we mean by that when we talk about justification? Well, justification is part of the process of salvation where one has been regenerated and, and been saved in knowing Christ, and then they are declared righteous. Justification, simply put, justification being a theological term, but simply put is being declared righteous before God. I'm going to give you an example of that. A pastor friend of mine years ago, he was finishing up his, uh, his schooling, his, his undergraduate work. And he had got engaged to the love of his life. And she was a year older than him. She had already graduated from college. She was out teaching in the world. So here he was finishing up his last semesters of college over in Georgia. Finishing up those last semesters, getting it all taken care of. Didn't have a job, full, full class schedule getting everything ready for graduation. While she's out working as a teacher before they got married. Now, he was a broke college student as he finished up, right? No, no income coming in, just taking classes, 
just getting by, graduating college. She's out working. She's, she's getting that payday on Friday. She's putting some money in the bank. So it comes time for their wedding, and he's the broke college student getting married to the teacher. So on the day of their wedding, before, he doesn't have anything in his account. He's a broke college student. But they say, I do, and they come together. Now he has money in his account, right? Hey, so I got an amen on that one. You, you know that's right. Broke college students say I do for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Amen. Hallelujah. I got money in my account. But when we're spiritually distorted without Jesus, we don't have anything in our account. We are broke spiritually. But in faith in Christ, the Redeemer, the one that's fulfilled prophecy, the one that Scripture guides us to, to know that he is the one true reigning Lord, when we place our faith in him and faith in him alone and we call upon his name and he saves us from our sins, then his righteousness is in our account. And when God looks at us, when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sin and our brokenness and us being destitute in need of a Savior. He looks at our account and he sees the righteousness of Jesus covering, covering us. Now that's spiritual hope, my friend. That's spiritual hope. And the gospel moves us from spiritual distortion to spiritual hope. And it brings clarity to our Christmas. Our Christmas is not about a wish list. It's about a reigning Savior. And it's about a Redeemer. And it is the one that brings life and hope. Christ's obedience in his righteousness, he is the anti-Adam. Adam brought in sin and death. Jesus brings in hope and life because he is the Redeemer. And the hope of it all is that sinners can be saved. Paul presents Christ as, as the Redeemer and his redemptive nature to bring clarity to Christmas because the hope of it all is that sinners can be saved. Sinners who are in the arena of spiritual distortion no longer have to be condemned, but by faith in Christ they can be redeemed and given the hope of all of eternity and glory in his presence one day in heaven. And this not only brings clarity to our Christmas, it brings clarity to our existence. And our purpose of glorifying our Redeemer. The hope we have in Jesus is the life only Jesus gives. And that's what we see in verses 20 through 21. Spiritual life. So we began with spiritual distortion. We just shared about spiritual hope. Now we're moving in to discuss spiritual life. Paul writes this. Let's revisit. The law came along to multiply the trespasses. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting, here's the results, in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is spiritual life in the Redeemer whose name is Jesus, who was born all those years ago on the very first Christmas. Daniel Pink is an author and he wrote a book entitled When. And the premise of the book is that it's not only about what you do, it's when you do it. And one example in the book is it's about presenting news to someone. When you give someone news, whether it's good or bad news, when you give it can make an impact. And Pink notes that you want to give the bad news first and then give the good news. Because research shows that people will remember 
the good news because it's the last information they receive from it. So there's a little tidbit, all you husbands out there. Give the bad news first, then give the good news, all right? But when you do something, it matters just as much as what you do. So what's Paul done here in these verses? Well, he gave the bad news first, right? He gave the bad news first. He said, sin multiplied. That the law multiplied sin. That's pretty bleak news, right? That even though we tried to, to correct things with the law and overcome sin through the law, that couldn't be done. And so it's pretty bleak news because the law was, was our best swing at the fence, okay? But all it did was multiply sin. And that's pretty bleak. But thankfully, the book doesn't close there. The chapter doesn't end. The story doesn't go away. No, it stays open. And what Paul shows us here is that, yes, this, the, the law multiplied sin, but grace multiplied even more through Christ. That Christ and his righteousness and as our Redeemer, grace multiplied even more. That is the gospel. Friend, if you're listening today, if you're in here today, the good news of the gospel is that grace abounded even more. Grace abounds in our life. Christmas grace is the vaccine for condemning sin. It's through a Redeemer whose name is Jesus. I got a call from a church member this week, and her and her spouse had, had shared the gospel with someone several months back. And that person called upon the name of Jesus in that moment. And they hadn't been able to reconnect with her, but they reconnected this week. And she shared with me how overjoyed the, the, the individual they shared with was. And, and, and the couple were, were ministering to her and saying, well, well, how can we pray for you now? And the response from the individual was, well, you did pray for me. You remember that day when you prayed for me? And that was the day that my life changed. And it's never been the same. Thank you. Thank you so very much. See, that individual had trusted in the Lord Jesus as her redeemer. And she moved from distortion into life and into hope. And that should bring clarity to our Christmas. There's a redemptive facet to our Christmas. And we, we understand that Jesus was Lord on that day in Bethlehem. And also that he is still Lord today. It changes us, it moves us, and it gives us hope and it gives us life. Because Christ's birth births redemption. Christ's birth births redemption. As we wrap up this morning, I found there's, there's nothing that maybe stops my kids in their tracks as when I look at a video on my phone. Maybe some of you parents can relate, right? You pull up a video on your phone and they can... They can be ignoring you. You walk in the door from work that day. They don't say a word to you. They don't look up. They don't know who you are, you know, because, one, they don't need money at that time. Two, they're not hungry at that time, so you are oblivious to them, okay? Uh, but you pull out your phone, and you look up, and they hear a video playing, and it's like a deer on the highway. Boom. Because they want to see it. They want to see what video you're watching. They want to engage in it. They, they, they want me to say, okay, come here. Look at this video. Isn't it funny? Or look at this video. Isn't that cool? 
They want to engage in that. They, they want to be a part of that. Deep down, we all need that clarity, that spiritual clarity. Because they, they're wanting to see what, it, what I have. And deep down, it's spiritually, we want something more. We maybe have not identified the spiritual distortion in our life, but we're seeking for that purpose and that clarity within this life. And we're, we're, we're trying to, we're, we're, maybe we're stopped in our tracks today trying to find out and figure out how things could be more clear, our purpose can be defined, and what life is really all about. Well, Christmas brings clarity regarding redemption that's available in Christ. Because Christ's birth, it births redemption. And until that happens, until that happens, we are spiritually distorted. And we're seeking for that clarity. But the event of Christmas can infuse that clarity of hope and life for all of eternity in our hearts and in our lives. When we place our faith. And the Redeemer. The Redeemer that was foretold about. The Redeemer whose birth has been miraculous. The Redeemer that, whose life has shown his redemptive righteous nature. And the Redeemer whose grace abounds even more. To bring us into the eternal life as our Savior and as our Lord. And that's what I want for you today, friend. Whether you're here in this room, whether you're listening, watching today, I want you to clearly see the redemption that is in Christ. We don't have to journey with a distorted view. No longer do we have to walk around with spiritual distortion because there's hope and there's life in Christ. And what brings clarity to our Christmas is the truth that Christ's birth births redemption. Let me pray for you. Lord, we bow before you today. We're going to conclude a little bit differently. Miss Jackie's going to play for us. But I want to guide you in prayer as we conclude before we dismiss. Miss Jackie's just going to play softly so you'll hear, you'll hear the music.